Logical Progression, Year 3, Chapter 10, Lesson 7. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen wa al-Aqibatu lil-Muttaqeen. Wa la'udwana illa ala al-Zalimeen. Wa salawatullahi wa salamuhu ala al-Sharif al-Anbiya'i wal-Mursaleen. Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Alhamdulillah, good to be back, good to see Danish, mashallah, back from the States. How long are you here for? Three weeks. Three weeks, yeah, mashallah. Um, it's good to be back. It's also good, uh, very good, that we do not have Shazad here to show you, everyone, yeah, because recently Shazad's head has been growing bigger and bigger and bigger, yeah, he thinks he's a very important kind of guy. He's been kind of, you know, using the status of LP, yani, uh, founder extraordinaire, LP, Yani supporter LP. I don't know what if anything. Yani basically putting out the image that basically without him LP would collapse. So today you will see that actually LP is better than ever. Okay, content management whatever with any old guy that we put in, even a pack like Nadif. Yeah. So we'll show Yani everyone how it is. Okay. Anyway, so today's really really interesting lesson. Subhanallah. Today, a lot of interesting uh, points uh, that go outside of the subject that we're studying meaning they actually kind of you know it, it, uh, it ventures out into the other chapters of fiqh to give some examples of what we're talking about now we are actually on um, where are we yeah okay I'll read in English where we are uh, and actually I'm going to read this entire section Tayammum is invalidated by the exiting of the time Anything that nullifies a normal ablution and the availability of water, even if one is praying, but not after it, but not after it. And that's what we're doing right now. And then we're going to do, inshallah, it is better to delay tayammum until the end of the time if one hopes to find water. Makes sense. Um, and then tayammum's description is five steps. The intention, then to say bismillah. Then hitting the dirt with both hands with fingers outstretched, wiping the face with both hands, and then wiping the back of the hands with the palms and lacing between the fingers. This is the madhab position. I don't know if we'll do all of it today. Maybe, maybe. Okay, so where we were was on the uh, point of number three, the availability of water, even if one is praying, but not after it. And basically, if you look at the text of Al-Mumti'a, on, at the bottom of page 403 we basically said that uh, at the point even if one is praying and we said before and we say it, uh, like many weeks before months before that whenever in Arabic in a fiqh text the word low is used okay, which means and even in then the word even indicates the difference amongst the scholars right? so just this word indicates the difference amongst the scholars and there is a difference amongst the scholars and we basically uh, what are we talking about we're talking about a guy who's in prayer okay he's actually praying now and he didn't find water and so you know I mean we can give the, the modern day example he's at home basically and he's kind of chilled he's relaxed and he's kind of like you know he's looking at Zohar and he's saying yeah whatever I've got some time and then it basically comes 4 o'clock and Zohar is on the way out so he goes Right, you know, uh, I better pray it now. Got to go make wudu. Turns on the taps, no water. He forgets that there was waterworks going on. 
Everything is now out. No water, nothing in the fridge. He's got nothing. He only got a few minutes left. So he now starts to pray. Let's say he's got half hour left. Anyway, he makes that call. He's got no time to go to any shops. He's got no opportunities. So he has to say, right. So he just goes into the, to the kitchen or the garden or whatever. He hits the floor. Does the job. And now he starts to pray. And you know, as I said before, when normally people test the water, they leave the nap, taps open. Suddenly, whilst he's praying, they check, duck, 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 whatever, and then all the water starts spurting out. So here is the issue. Does the presence of water now break the prayer or not? Is the prayer invalidated? And so we have two positions. And the majority of the scholars are of the first position, which is that it does break the prayer. And then you have those which said that it doesn't. Um, and it's not an insignificant number that said it doesn't. Whether have a kathir bin ulama, we mentioned last week, that actually uh, it doesn't invalidate the uh, prayer. And that was a narration from Imam Ahmed, even though, what did we say? We said that he recanted from that position. He went back from that. anha. He returned back from that position. And he said, and it is narrated in Al-Insaf, that he said, I used to say that it doesn't invalidate. But to be honest, then now I realize that the hadith themselves, they indicate that it does invalidate the prayer. Okay. So what is the position of these scholars? And what is the position of the Hanbali Madhab? What, why do they say that the prayer is invalidated? Well, we covered this last week. The first one is that because of what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, فَلَمْ تَجِدُوا مَاءً فَتَيَمَّمُوا So if you do not find water, then make tayammum. And here, water is found. They're in the prayer. It doesn't matter if they're in the prayer. The water is found. So the tayammum itself is, in this ayah, tayammum is linked intrinsically to the uh, absence of water. If the presence of water is there, tayammum can't stand. If tayammum can't stand, then your prayer, which was based upon tayammum, it can't stand. It's like everything has fallen underneath it. And so the prayer is invalidated. And the statement, the, the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, second evidence, is uh, the Prophet ﷺ said that if you find water, If you, fear, if you fear, find water, then fear Allah and make sure you, you wet your skin with it. Yani, use it, basically. Okay? Um, and that's very, very clear. That would indicate an in, uh, a invalidation of tayammum if the water came. The third uh, evidence is that tayammum is a replacement for purification by water because you can't find water. So it's a replacement. So if the water, the, the, the asal appears, then the replacement can't exist. It's a paradox. The replacement only can be in, 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 in operation if the, 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 the original is not there. When the original comes, it's not possible to have the original and the replacement in play at the same time. So its ruling then disappears and therefore it is obligatory to leave the prayer and make wudu and repeat the prayer. So this is the position of the madhab. All right? As for the minority opinion, which is that actually one does not uh, break the prayer, then... The first evidence is that he has started shara'a fil maqsood wal ghaya wa hiya as-salah. That he's done tayammum and he has started this action. This action, the prayer which he made tayammum for it before. 
فقد شرع فيها على وجه مأذون فيه شرعا This action that he started, the prayer To start it, he had to have tayammum He did tayammum And he started the prayer legitimately He is now in a legitimate act of worship Which he entered legitimately وَهِيَ فَرِيدَةٌ مِنَ الْفَرَائِدِ لَا يَجُوزَ الْخُرُوجِ مِنْهَا إِلَّا بِدَلِيلٍ وَاضِحٍ He is now in play in an act of worship which he entered in legitimately. It's an obligation from the obligation of the religion not permissible to leave except with a clear evidence. It's not possible to just walk out of an obligatory action. Once you're in, you're locked in. We know that, well you don't know yet, but when we cover fiqh salah you will see that the only time that you can leave an obligatory prayer is in an emergency situation. It has to be a real life emergency. You're about to, something's going to happen or someone's dying or someone's about to fall off or whatever. It has to be an emergency. So it needs to be either an emergency or a clear evidence. And that dalil, we can come to that. In a, um, um, there are some uh, scenarios actually that are non-emergency, that you can leave the prayer. We'll talk about that a little bit later, okay? And here there is no clear evidence and there is no necessity. The, 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 the presence of water does, is not a clear evidence because لِأَنَّ الْأَحَدِيثِ السَّابِقَةِ قَدْ يُرَادُ بِهَا مَا إِذَا وَجِدَ الْمَا قَبْلَ الشُّوْعَ فِي الصَّلَاةِ Because actually all of the hadith that have been mentioned, yes, by the madhab as the evidence, this is referring to if you find water before you start the prayer. Before you start the prayer. So if you find water before you start the prayer, it all makes sense. So then you would then have to be break your tayammum and make it. But it's not talking about whilst you're in the prayer. Where's the evidence that these apply to you when you're actually in an act of worship? And then again, Shaykh Uthameen repeats one of his very famous, one of his favorite and the most important principles. He goes, wherever there is found a possibility, then the, um, wherever, uh, what's the best way to, to try and translate this? If a, if, a, if a possibility of an opinion is found, to insist one position as an evidence is invalidated. I don't know how that makes sense. Uh, uh, let me try again. <laughs> yani, what I want to say is, if a person um, is using a point and saying, this is the only way of seeing this and it's my evidence, okay, but there exists a different way of interpreting the same source that created that other evidence, it's not possible to say, this is my only evidence. Meaning that, it is possible to say if a had let, let, let me start let me say it again a different way. If a hadith is indicating an understanding, like for example the hadith where the Prophet said that if the water is found, then fear Allah and let it touch your skin. So the obvious understanding of this hadith is that if water turns on, I've got to put it on my skin. I've got to use it. However, if I say to you, no, no, this means actually before the prayer. That's a possibility. So if that means that a possibility exists, the obvious meaning of the hadith now no longer exists. That's what I'm trying to say. What would seem to be the obvious derived understanding from the hadith as an evidence 
that is now no longer the only meaning of the hadith. The hadith now means many things. Once now the hadith means many things, it's not possible now to start saying that you're absolutely 100% wrong and I'm absolutely 100% right. There's now a possibility now of discussion. That's the point that we're talking about. It's got to be a valid, obviously, uh, difference of opinion. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also says, second evidence, uh, And do not invalidate your actions. Do not invalidate your actions. Okay? That's the Surah Muhammad, verse 33. And the prayer that he's currently in is a righteous action which he started with a permissible yani starting point condition in a sharia. So it cannot be invalidated except with an evidence. Okay, and there is no clear evidence. That's the end of story. Okay, that's their opinion. That's Sheikh Uthameen's opinion. I just want to just say, okay. But it's not Sheikh Uthameen's opinion. It's yani, when Sheikh Uthameen is trying to give an evidence for it. Uh, to try and argue for the other opinion. Now, what he says now is very interesting. He goes, this issue actually is a really difficult one. He goes, actually, مُشْكِلَةً He goes, this, this is a mushkila, this problem. And it's very interesting actually why he says it's a mushkila. He says it's a mushkila because normally, what would I say to you guys, what would, you know, knowing me, what would I say to you guys in this kind of scenario? What would I normally say? What would any scholar tell you to do? When we have a fiqhi issue, what, what, do, we, what do we normally say? Well, sorry? For the majority is a position. It's not what I would say though. For the safest opinion, yes? That's very common. You hear me say that all the time. You hear the scholars say that all the time. Here's the question. Sheikh Uthameen asks. He goes, that's indeed what we would normally say. And that's indeed what we would normally tell you to do. What would the safest opinion here be? Do you get what I'm saying? Sheikh Uthameen goes, what is the safest opinion? So you can look at it one way. Safest opinion is what? To carry on praying. Which is, or carry on praying here, rather instead of saying carrying on praying, the safest opinion is to keep on doing the obligation that you're already doing. Alright? The safest opinion is to keep on doing the obligation that you're doing. He said, actually, to be the safest here is impossible. He goes, if someone said that the safest is that the prayer is invalidated, then we would say, actually, no, the safest is to not come out of the prayer. If you think about it, what did we say to you? Once you're in a prayer, you've got to have a real reason and an emergency to come out of it. And so therefore, if you're looking for evidence to come out of your prayer and you can't find it, safest position is to stay in the prayer. Okay? So this is an interesting point here. Okay? And so that's why we're a bit stuck. We're a bit stuck. Now what Shifat Amin gives us some really nice points here. He goes, this example is, is a famous example of where the safest position isn't automatically the safest position. He goes, another example of this is the issue of Asr prayer. He goes, in the Asr prayer, and this is very true for anyone who knows, according to the Madhab of Abu Hanifa, when does Salat al-Asr start? When? 
when the shadow of an object is twice its length, you know, from the sun, okay, whereas the majority of the scholars are when the shadow of the object is only one time, okay? So we have two opinions on when the asr starts. Agreed? Now, a person doesn't know which one to follow. What's the safest position to follow? For the, no, no, asr, 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 don't complicate things, man. When you can pray asr at the, at the Abu Hanifa's position. No, no, leave, leave the heart. Just leave the heart. Don't, 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 don't blow my mind. Obvious, right? Because one person says it started and everyone says it started at the second time. Agreed? However, to throw a major spanner in works, okay, the majority of the scholars also say what? About what happens when the sun goes to two times the length of the... Sh- the, the shadow becomes two times the length of the object. What do the majority of the scholars say? It is, it is a prayer time which is, causes sin. It is the uh, time of necessity, not al-waqt al-ikhtiyari. You know, the, the, but al-bukhtar. Yani the time that is preferred. You see, Salat al-Asr has that interesting reality where even though there is a, le- a legitimate legal limit, parameters for it, okay? So from this, let's say from one, the length of the shadow being just once, yeah? One times its length. All the way until Maghrib, yeah? Just before Maghrib, just before the sun disappears. This is the technical time of Salat al-Asr, okay? However, those same scholars, they say that Salat al-Asr must be prayed between the time of when it's one times the length of that shadow until it's two times the length of that shadow. And then after that, from two times the length of that shadow until Maghrib, this is a time where it's not right to pray, hated to pray, some said even sinful to pray, if you are doing it by choice. That's what the majority of the scholars said. And they will tie this in with the ahadith that talk about the one who prays when the sun becomes yellow. Now you will know that the sun only starts to become yellow when it starts to come set down in the sky so far. So we're talking like at our current time in UK with Maghrib at 9.15 or 19. What is that? 9.27. So I was close. So that was good. Yeah. All right. I have an excuse by the way. I have I don't know what happened yesterday. What did I pray Maghrib yesterday? I think I did, yeah. I've only been in town like one day, alright? Just chill. Maybe two days. I don't even know a lie. So, uh, so 9.27, so Asr is probably what? Five-ish? Um, which opinion? Shafi opinion. <laughs> 5.30-ish? So... You're looking at, what, Hanafi time starting at 7 o'clock-ish? 6.45, whatever. And so that's what, 7.45, Yani about two and a half hours before the uh, actual time. If you look at the sun, if you were like, oh, obviously today was not the best of days, but if you were to look at the sun, you will see obviously, I mean in any hot country, but even here as well, you'll see that around the kind of 12, 1, 2, you know, 3 o'clock times, the sun, when it's very, very high, is absolutely white. You can't see any color in it, okay? And that reflects it's almost its hottest part as well, heat being very white, hot, and, and so on. And then, um, just as a completely side point, random point, is white hot clearly hotter than red hot? 
It is, isn't it? Is white hot hotter than orange or yellow hot? Is orange or yellow hot hotter than red hot? Just go. <laughs> Just go. Don't yani, uh, put the brakes on. White hot is super hot. But the question remains, I, my theory is that red hot is the least hot. Is it? Come on, man. Think about when you're making your chapati, man. Well, you want to ask myself? I haven't made chapati in my life. I'd love to say to you, yeah, okay. But I'm sure one of you guys have done some chapati somewhere, okay? So think about the, the fire. Yes? The tava, yeah? The tava is cool, isn't it? What a great name, huh? How racist are tax, man? They found a black thing to put yani, chapati on. They called it tava. What a nation, right? So, you see that gas, whatever. Obviously, when it's blue, it's like nothing. You can stick your hand through. That's no problem. Yes? True? Or is it just me? Anyway. And uh, yellow hot, I don't think is very hot. No, yellow hot must be hot. Okay, coal in a barbecue. It goes red first. Red first. Then it goes on the flames. Allahu Akbar. Shukr And then it goes on. It goes to that white color. White color. And that's when it's burning. burning. Absolutely. Yeah, and it's super hot. And then it goes, Allah Akbar. There we go. So where was I going with that? Okay. The color reflects that. And the heat reflects that. So for example, at 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, when the, hot, the, 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 the sun really genuinely is super, super, super hot, and you are burning as a result of it, it is actually white. And then when it starts to come down, five, six, seven, eight o'clock, it starts to go yellow and the heat dissipates massively. And then when it eventually becomes red, then it's actually maghrib and it's, you know, it's not hot at all. Yeah. Now, I just want you to know that actually that has absolutely nothing to do with heat. Okay. The color that you see of the sun, I was just trying to create a kind of like a clever little correlation, but it doesn't actually exist because the colors that you see of the sun are not to do with its heat but to do with its angle of refraction versus the atmospheric dust, that space dust or whatever that actually it hits in your horizon. The twilight that you see, the various colors that you see. So you know when you see, you know when you see, for example, a certain color of purple, stroke, red, orange, that nice beautiful sunset, what you're seeing effectively is, it has to be obviously a clear, clear day, a little cloud, Good, good, good twilight. That's happening because of a certain amount of atmospheric dust. And the angle is such so that when the light is refracting at that very, very low angle and it's coming across from the sun, that's where the primary light is coming across. If there are enough certain type of atmospheric dust, pollution, etc., it refracts off that. Why is it so white when it's so high? Because it's coming straight down, very little refraction, etc. So there's something to do with that. I don't know, I'm not a physicist kind of guy, but that's, that's something to do with it. Um, anyway, the point I'm trying to make is that according to the majority of the scholars, okay, you can't actually pray intentionally after the two times length. Whereas with Abu Hanifa, it starts at that time. So if a person was going to say, I want to follow the safest position according to the scholars, he can't actually say two times because that is a problem with the first group, whereas he's a sinner with Abu Hanifa. In fact, his prayer was not even valid. So that's another one of these kind of 
uh, scenarios, um, you know, one of these kind of like paradoxical situations. Anyway, Shafatimin basically says, in these kinds of scenarios, we prevent, we avoid saying to people, follow the safest position. We say, no, no, go back and you've got to choose a position strong and clear. And there's no doubt that the majority of the scholars are absolutely spot on that it is uh, early, so-called Shafi'i Asr time, which is the start time for Asr. That is the position of the majority. In actual fact, it's also the position of a number of the Hanafi scholars as well. So that's something to keep in mind. Anyway, Sheikh Uthameen, he says, This is Sheikh Uthameen's personal opinion is that the madhab position is closer to the truth. Okay? So if water is found, okay, then uh, then a person uh, should come out of the prayer. But anyway, he says something very interesting. He goes that don't worry about coming out of the prayer and it being an issue of being invalidated and you know becoming bothered. Yani, he goes, look at it as coming out of the prayer to perfect it. He goes, not لِبُطْلَانِهَا To make it more kamal. Alright? He goes, for example, he goes, the example of that is that if you're praying in a masjid, yeah, so you've arrived and you're, you haven't prayed your dhuhr prayer. Okay? Actually, standard uni situation. Most of us be in university. We all know the score, right? Everyone's all over the show, right? So everyone comes in and everyone's praying their own prayer and stuff. And so you walk in for dhuhr, you've just finished lunch, and uh, the jama'ah is gone, one thirty second jama'ah is gone, and so you stand up and you pray. And what happens? A whole group, you know, the whole the medics will walk in, right? And they just go to the front, there's all 10, 15 of them, and they make their qam and they start their dhuhr jama'ah. What should you do now? You see what I'm saying? Now, when you break your prayer to join them, which is something which some scholars said you do, you haven't invalidated your prayer, rather, you left your prayer to perfect it by moving to a jama'ah. Do you understand? This is my position as well. Okay? So a person who's praying, and not, not obligatory, by the way. Some scholars said obligatory, some said not at all, not allowed to. I mean, we'll come to that in six, seven years' time, I think. Yeah? <laughs> Maybe. So, when we do fiqh salah You understood the issue, yes? Person's praying dhuhr by himself, four raka'ah, obligatory. They start the jama'ah, you know, because they, you hear the iqamah, you hear everything. And so you just, yeah, and you just leave the prayer because you say, no, I'm not in this prayer anymore. And you join that prayer from the beginning and you get the reward of the jama'ah and the dhuhr. That was some sort of said. So they said, actually, this is the same as this scenario here. When a person's made tayammum for the prayer and the water starts, it's like, you know what? This should be done properly. So let me now go and now make water, uh, make wudu with water and then pray uh, again properly. That's the way it should be. I've perfected the prayer. That's the way of looking at it. La ba'daha in Arabic, but not after it. What does but not after it mean? So tayammum is invalidated by the availability of water, even if one is praying, but not after it. What does that mean? What does but not after it mean? So after you complete the prayer, what has not been invalidated? The prayer? What kind of answer is that, bro? Well, hold on. What did you say? The prayer. No, you said tayammum. Salah. You said tayammum? 
And you said prayer. No, no, I said the end of the No, you said the prayer. Okay, let's get it right, okay? Then you quickly any thought for about three seconds. Yeah, then you said the term of the prayer. Okay. Yeah, you try the next level blag. Okay. But anyway, job's done. The point is I wanted to show you that it's not clear. That's what I wanted to show. Okay? That it could mean either or. So we've got to clearly define it. And that's what Sheikh Khutamin says. He says, i.e., is if water is found after the prayer, it is not necessary for him to repeat the prayer. Okay? This sentence is not talking about tayammum. وَلَيْسَ مُرَادُهُ أَنَّ تَيَمُّمْ لَا يَبْتُلْ كَمَا هُوَ ظَاهِرْ عِبَارَتِهِ It is not actually trying to say that the tayammum itself, it does not become invalidated. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about does a person need to repeat the prayer? Is that, is that clear? What's the evidence for this? This is an interesting hadith that we're going to look at right now. It's at the bottom of page 306, 406. The statement of the Prophet ﷺ as narrated in the Sunan of Abu Dawood, the story of two men who made tayammum and then prayed, and then they found water whilst in the same prayer time. So the time was left for them to pray. They found water. So one of them, he did not repeat the prayer. As for the other one, he made wudu with the water and he repeated the prayer. And let me just remind you again. They found the water when? After the prayer. Okay, prayer is done. So one repeats, one doesn't. Okay? They both came to the Prophet wasallam, and they told him about what had happened. And what did he say to the one who did not repeat the prayer? Asatta sunnah. You have, you achieved the sunnah. You achieved the sunnah. As for the one who repeated the prayer, he said to him, Lakal ajru marratain. You get the reward twice. You get the reward twice. Now this is a very important hadith we need to look at. Both sanad and meaning. Meaning is a big one we need to study. First of all, sanad. Okay. It's narrated by Abu Dawood in the book of purification in the chapter of Al-Mutayammim. The one who makes... By the way, we haven't come across this phrase before. The one who makes tayammum is called the Mutayammim. The Mutayammim. Okay. So the, you know the sunan of Abu Dawood, by the way, actually all of the sunan, one of the reasons why they're called sunan, Ibn Majah, sunan Abu Dawood, sunan uh, At-Tirmidhi, is actually Al-Jami'ah, sunan Al-Nisa'i, okay? The reasons are, is because it actually covers the actions of the Prophet in a lot of detail. The sunan, his actions and his ways and everything. It's not so much focusing on like what a jami' would do, like jami' al-sahih of Imam Bukhari, aqidah, tafsir, seerah, iman, you know, tazkiyah to nafs, you know, everything. Where Sunan kind of focused mostly on the actions, all right? So this is the chapter of the mutayammim who does not find water until after the prayer. This hadith is narrated by al-Darami as well, and al-Nasai as well, and al-Hakim as well, on the authority of Abdullah ibn Nafi' on the authority of Al-Layth who narrated from Bakr ibn Suwada and Ata' and Abi Sa'id al-Khudri marfu'an meaning from the authority of the Prophet ﷺ. however this hadith was criticized they said wa'il yani it had an illa a hidden fault a hidden fault and that is that Abdullah ibn Nafi' he was the only one who actually considered who made this hadith connected he differed over this hadith 
with other scholars like Abdullah ibn al-Mubarak. And actually, it seems that this is a hadith on the authority of Ata ibn Yasar, Mursalan, meaning that there is a gap and it is not an authentic hadith. And Abu Dawood himself, who narrated this hadith, he said, وَذِكْرُ أَبِ السَّعِيدِ فِي هَذَا الْحَدِيثِ وَهْمٌ وَلَيْسَ بِمَحْفُوظٌ وَهُوَ مُرْسَلٌ So the one who narrated this hadith, Abu Dawood, he himself criticized the narration. He said, actually, the way that I'm narrating it from Abu Sa'id al-Khudri, this is a mistake. This is completely yani, something strange. It's not nothing to do with Abu Sa'id al-Khudri. I believe this hadith is mursal, meaning the companion has been left out. There is no companion in between the tabi'i and the Prophet ﷺ, which is a form of weak hadith, of course. And it has been narrated in another way, continuously as well, mawsoolan. Remember when we say mawsool, it means that every person is narrating from the next one, which means the chain is connected. What did we just say the, the hadith previously was? We said it was mursal, which means that there's a gap in the chain. Whenever there's a gap in the chain, the hadith becomes weak automatically. And anyway, Sheikh, the, the, the muhakkik of this uh, narration, he says, in every single chain there is some kind of issue that, that, that makes us doubt its authenticity. Look at Fath al-Bari and look, look at Nasb al-Raya from the Hanafi school as well. So I want you to know straight off the bat that this hadith is not as authentic as people make it out to be and it could potentially be weak. However, we're not talking super weak. It is potentially okay for use in terms of meaning. So that's the first thing I want to say about the hadith. What about the actual meaning of what the hadith is trying to say? Well, let me throw that out to you. What did you understand from the hadith? So these two guys, they had that situation. One didn't repeat the prayer and the other guy did. Prophet ﷺ said to the guy who didn't repeat the prayer, you did the sunnah and said to the other guy, you got the reward twice. So my question to you, What's the better action? Okay. Two times reward. Put your hands up. Okay. Achieving the sunnah. Put your hands up. Even though two times reward. Who told him it's two times reward? Two times the reward of the sunnah. I don't know about two times reward of the sunnah. Don't don't, you make things complicated, bro. Yeah, okay. Excellent. Two times the reward. Who knows? You got the reward two times. Actually, even actually, I should translate properly. You've got the ajr twice. Twice of what followed before, which is a sunnah. You've achieved the ajr. Uh, brackets of the act marratain twice okay so you got that on another hand you achieved the sunnah the sunnah may still be more than two times the the reward okay anything uh, any other points any other comments um, it says you got twice the reward of the act of playing again with the player or the act of leaving the player because of water. No, no, he he did repeat the did prayer. Uh, me, yeah, I know, but did he get rewards because of playing again or because he leave, uh, because he 
get the rope because he left the prayer for the water. He didn't leave the prayer for the water. Oh, yeah, but he did it again. Is he getting double the reward for the prayer for the first one and then the one that he repeated? Correct. No doubt about that. He's getting the reward for the prayer that he did. He's getting the reward for the prayer that he did again. So he got the reward. He got double the reward. Is double the reward better or to achieve the sunnah? But yeah. The reason why I think it might be double the reward is because he's done the sunnah and on top of that he's getting the reward of doing it again. Good argument. Okay. He's got the sunnah, which was to actually pray, and then he got another reward. Danish is going to respond now, and it's an easy response. Okay, yep. Does the sunnah? Yes, correct. If that is indeed what he did, then he would have been told you achieved the double sunnah. All right. So let me make it an easier question. If a person was to do it now. So, today, guy goes, two guys come out now from behind there. One of them says, I didn't pray again. And the other one says, I did pray again. What would we say to these two guys? First of all, to the guy who didn't pray. What would we say to him? You achieved the sunnah, alhamdulillah. All right. What would we say to the guy who did pray again? Mashallah, <laughs> double reward. Okay, that's one. Of, okay, anyone else? No, no, leave, leave Asr. Leave Asr. Don't make things. You and your prayer Zahar early and pray Asr and what the heck. What's going on, Yara? Just keep it simple, man. We said to the first guy, he didn't pray. We said to him, Mashallah, you achieved the Sunnah. Good job. What about the guy who did pray again? This is just now. What are we going to say to him? Double the reward? What is That is what the hadith meant, right? So the, I asked a question, which is different to that. I asked the question, if this was to happen now, where's your fiqh hats? Where's your aqidah hats? Where's your usul hats? Think about this. Therefore, what are we going to say to the guy who's prayed again? Because so what was your what was your act? Okay, one person said nafal, one person said double reward. I don't know what you said. That's good enough. <laughs> yeah. Uh, You're saying don't pray again. I mean, give me you're some. Okay, you're okay to do it this time. You're okay to do it this time because you didn't know. But the... because he didn't know. No. Let's say that he believes that he's doing the right thing. Okay. Yep. No, 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 where did Asatari have to do? You see that? You see that where you start? You see what you have to do to our lesson? This is what the Americans have done to you, man. They ruined you, Yara. The answer is, is this is bid'ah. Shaykh Uthameen says, 
قلنا إذا علمت بالسنة فليس فليس لك الأجر مرتين بل تكون مبتدعا. He said that if you knew what the sunnah was, so that's the caveat, yeah. If you knew what the sunnah was, i.e., you knew this hadith, and then you came out and you prayed again, you do not get the reward twice. You are mubtada. You are an innovator in the religion. Now you're going to say, how on God's earth is that? That a person becomes an innovator when the Prophet ﷺ has praised the guy and said to him, you got two rewards. It's because he didn't know. That's the correct answer. It's because he didn't know. The Prophet ﷺ telling him that you got two rewards is not an indication of him being happy with him or praising him. He's saying, you didn't know. You put the extra miles in. You got two times the reward for your act. But you didn't hit the sunnah. This is the sunnah. This is my way. Which means that if that scenario happens again ever, there is only one option, and that's the sunnah. And this is a very, very important, a valuable lesson for us, that it doesn't matter how much aql you, you put into a scenario, how much you think it makes sense. Actually, this hadith and this principle is at the root of all bid'ah in the entire universe. You think about you know, every pack under the sun and all the stuff that they do. They do it on the belief that more is better. Yeah, the concept of more. So plenty of nafal, every opportunity, blah, 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 this, that, whatever. We will show our love to Prophet by doing zikr like this and we will do parties like that and we'll do X, we'll do khatam, we'll do read the Quran. They'll say to you, how is reading the Quran bad? How can you criticize reading the Quran? See that aqal comes through? Okay. We'll say to them, how can you criticize this guy praying again? Praying again. Proper praying in the right time. We can say that the Prophet ﷺ said, that's not my sunnah. Do you know what I'm trying to say? And so, this is a very, very important point. And that's why the Prophet ﷺ said, uh, so that the one who, uh, um, so he did not know the sunnah. And of course, we know that anyone who is mujtahid, the one who tries his best to come to a, a correct position, does ishtihad. If he gets it right, he gets two rewards. And if he gets it wrong, then he gets one reward. So this is actually in terms of a general reward, not talking about the hadith itself. He goes, so from this hadith, and that's what I just posted onto Facebook earlier on, وَمِنْ هَذَا الْحَدِيثِ يَتَبَيَّنَ لَنَا فَائِدَةٌ مُحِمَّةٌ جِدَّةٌ He goes, from this hadith we learn a very, very important principle. And it is, أَنَّ مُوَافَقَةِ السُنَّةِ أَفْضَلْ مِنْ كَثْرَةُ الْعَمَلِ That to agree with the sunnah, to achieve the sunnah, is far better than plenty plenty action or lots and lots of action okay and so he gives example he goes that you will see so many of these for example you will see many people this is not just the packs this is everyone you know after salatul adhan al fajr goes yes what do they start doing knocking out nafal knocking out nafal two 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 waiting for the fard prayer yani especially if they're in the masajid or whatever when you're looking at these people thinking what on earth are they praying there's only two rakah yani between Adhan and your fault. Where is this nafal coming from? You see what I'm saying? Now the aql will say, this is nafal. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, I'm waiting, got plenty of time, why don't I pray nafal? Um, and this is not legislated because the Prophet never did that. So again, here's an example where a person, if he just prays two and sits down, he's done the sunnah and he'll get full reward for it. Whereas a person who's praying two, 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 if they don't know, then they're jahil. 
And if they do know, then they are sinning and doing bid'ah. And that's a very important point. If they know and they're told that this is the sunnah of the Prophet and they carry on, this is an act of bid'ah and it's a sin. If they know. So this is an example. Another example is the one who, uh, these two sunnah of Fajr, these two sunnah of Fajr, he starts to elongate it. So he starts to recite long surah in it, starts to make the ruku nice and long, nice to make the sajda nice and long, like you would do for two raka'ah at home after Isha or the witter or tahajjud or, you know, in prayer that you pray at home. He starts to do that to the two raka'ah sunnah before fajr. Because he still says, reciting long is good, lots of tasbih is good. I mean, how can that possibly be wrong? So we'll say also bid'ah. If a person knows the sunnah of the Prophet which is to pray these two raka'ah very quickly. They are very quickly prayed. When I say quickly, it doesn't mean it's all over the show. It means that there's very, very small surah. And very minimal tasbihat in the ruku'ah and in the sajda. So again here, it's not elongating from your own aqal. The Prophet intentionally made the two raka'ah short. Very clearly, number of proofs, number of narrations. If you know that and you elongate these two sunnah on purpose, you are going against the sunnah. خالف تصواب لأن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم كان يخفف هاتين الركعتين. He goes likewise. If someone is making uh, a tawaf, and when he finishes tawaf, as you know, you will have to now uh, pray behind Maqam Ibrahim. Okay? And so for example, he instead of praying two, he says, hey, I'm going to pray four. It's a sunnah act anyway. But he goes, you know, I'm here, greatest moment ever, I'm going to pray two, and I'm going to pray another two as well. Or, 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 he actually starts to actually elongate these two. Again, the evidence is making it clear that the Prophet ﷺ made these two very short as well. Again, intentionally. And so therefore, we know that these are mistakes and a person should focus upon the sunnah. Is that clear, everybody? So this is an example. That it's not about doing long, it's about following the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. However, I just want to just add here that it would be a big mistake to make, to believe that somehow the sunnah is to pray, is to pray little nafal. That's not correct. There are plenty of sunnah acts that need to be prayed during the day, sunnah units that Muslims do not pray. Particularly around the Dhuhr prayer, which there should be at least four before and two after. And never should one miss the two raka'ah after Maghrib or Sunnah or two raka'ah after Isha as well. These are emphasized Sunan of the prayer. Yeah? So let's not get lazy on these as well. Okay. Now, what's the last part of the statement? Next statement. It is better. It is better to delay tayammum until the end of the time if one hopes to find water. Right? So the classic scenario here is Maghrib starts at 9.27. Right. 9.27 the prayer starts. You know that Isha starts at 11 o'clock. Alright? Let's see. 11 o'clock. If Isha starts at 11 and at 9.27 you turn on all the water, no water. So here's the dilemma now. You've got an hour and 27 minutes left or whatever. And you've got to try and make a decision. What do I do? Do I make tayammum and I pray now? Or do I make a judgment call and say, you know what, the water is going to come through inshallah. And so I'm going to then pray, you know, as long as I can pray before Isha. Do you understand the scenario now? 
That's the situation. What does the madhab say? The madhab says that it is better to not pray, to not to do tayammum, and to not pray, and to wait until the end of the time, if one hopes to find water. So there's got to be a hope. It can't just be, you know, toss of a coin in the air, and, you know. There's got to be like, well, the water company, I called them, they did say 10.30. Yeah? The water company said to me, 10.30, sir, you will definitely have your water. Or, for example, the shop which is closed, it's going to open at 10.30, so you know that you'll definitely be able to purchase it. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? There's got to be a real hope. Otherwise, yani is something else. So what are the scenarios here? Okay, let's look at this from a evidence point of view. He goes that there are uh, a person who's trying to achieve this, he will be in different states. For example, if a person... He goes, if a person... He goes that... It is good, according to this way this disposition is going out, it is better to delay the prayer in two scenarios. The first one is that if he definitely knows that there will be water available. If he knows. So for example, he can see it. He can see it. Hour walk, half hour walk. He can see the water and he goes, I'm definitely going to get there before Maghrib. So before Isha. That's one. Or, or he considers that there is a greater likelihood of finding the water than not finding the water. He has to think about it and he's absolutely sure. He's made the phone calls. He's given, given the promises and he really believes that it's going to happen. So the first one is a certainty that he get the water. And the second one is a belief that he hopes that he will get the water. The other, the other scenario, the other scenario, is that he would not actually pray later, but he would pray now on tayammu, using tayammu. When would this happen? Number one, there's three scenarios for this. If he knows for certain there's not going to be any water, so he's in the middle of the desert and there's absolutely no chance of any water, or he's at home and they've said to him, twelve o'clock is when the water is going to come through. So he knows there's no way that I'm going to find water before, before Isha starts. Number two, that he has had a thought, think about it. He's made his best guess and it's more likely he's not going to find water than he is. So the opposite of the previous scenario. And the third scenario, which is interesting, who can guess what that would be? What would the third scenario be where a person would pray at the earlier time as opposed to the later time? First one I've said, if he definitely knows there's no water. Second I said, he has to think about it. And he comes to mind that he's not going to find the water. Let me remind you what the, the two were in the previous one. In the previous one, he would delay the prayer. If A, he definitely knows he's going to find water. Or B, he has to think about it. And he believes that the probability of finding water is more than not finding water. Okay? So my question to you. What is the third scenario for the guy who would pray early time? With Tiyamun, what would that be? I've said to you, number one, he knows there's definitely no water. Number two, he had to think about it and he believes that there'll be no water. What's the third? Assalamu alaikum. What do you reckon? Yeah. You said. Um, the, um, the, the water later. That's the same as the first one. 
he may think that there's there may be water available later, but he's going to be in a position where he's not going to be able to pray. That's the same as not a pray. No, that's the same. That doesn't apply. It has to be within the time. No, no, like he, I don't know, he has some chore to do, plane to catch or something. That, 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 that's like no water. Okay. Yep, anyone? No, no, no. It's not about prayer. It's about the same kind of thinking principle. You can see the world. No, no, no. It's not not a clever answer. It's not. It's not. It's not a trick. It's about the thinking. It's about tarjih. Yes. If he was going to go and get the water. No, no, no. It's, it's not one of those riddles. He's it's not. not sure where the water <laughs> it's not a riddle. I know that everyone's trying to think about some clever kind of way. This is not actually a riddle. He's not sure. Yes. So sorry. Yeah. No, 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 just got a break on that. Yeah, anyway, we'll get one over the show to the toilet. I don't promise. Go. Uh, you may know that what No, 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 no. The answer is purely from a soul point of view, a soul, okay? That he does have a think about it and nothing becomes dominant. 50 50. We talked about this before, you see? You see, in the two scenarios, we had a high probability. When we say rajih, the word rajih means dominant, and it was more stronger. Okay, So it's a stronger opinion. It is rajih in the first scenario, he was going to find water. In the second scenario, it was rajih for him, stronger after his thinking, that he's not going to find water. So if he has a think about it, and it's a 50-50, nothing is preponderant, as we call it. Nothing is dominant then here one doesn't go ahead because he's got nothing to go ahead with so he just prays okay he goes some of the scholars said that if he by the way remember what what what, uh, what we said what did the sentence say it is better it is better they're not obligating this they're saying it is better to delay the tayammum okay until the end of the time, if he's going to think he's going to find it, okay? Some of the scholars said it is obligatory to delay the prayer if he knows they will find water. So stronger, much stronger than his position, much more stricter than his position, okay? Sheikh Uthameen, he says, the strongest opinion according to my opinion, the rajih according to me, he goes, oh, we shouldn't just يعني, focus on delaying the prayer. It's not about delaying the prayer. Actually, to pray now is better according to a number of reasons. If we are able to pray, we should pray. Because of the following reasons. Number one, the general understanding from the Prophet ﷺ when he said, Any man from my ummah, if the prayer comes upon him, then let him pray. فَلْيُصَلِّي let him pray it there and then. So any time when the prayer comes upon you, pray. Boom. Just like that. Number one. That's the first evidence. So you shouldn't delay it. No reason to delay it. The second one, His knowledge about whether this is actually going to happen is not something certain. It's not certain. And something could happen afterwards that could actually change the scenario as well. It's not something, yani, which is which is which is certain, and so you know. Therefore, you know, we can't actually just go and make an assumption on something which is not certain in the first place. 
So actually, Sheikh Al-Tamin has a point. He then goes into a separate point. He goes, by the way, when the scholars say at the end of the time, this is not the legal time. This is the preferred time. Because a prayer has two times. The legal times and the preferred times that you're meant to pray. Does that make sense? Yes? We know that there are legal times and there are preferred times. Always to pray in an early time is a general, general rule of thumb, other than for Isha, which is a bit different. So let's give some examples. So, um, so for example, Salatul Asr. Salatul Asr has a unique situation in that it has a preferred time to pray. It has a preferred time to pray and it has a, 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 a time of necessity only. So the preferred time is before the sun becomes yellow, which is roughly two times its high, uh, length, the shadow length which is roughly one to two hours before the Maghrib time. That's taqriban rule of thumb. This is what's called the preferred time. Then after that, when you're in that last period before Maghrib, this is only for necessity, only if you really have to. Okay? This is according to some of the scholars. As for Isha, there's another example as well. Now, Sheikh Uthameen, I'm going to say to you, has a, I don't want to say controversial opinion, but he, follow, he has a minority opinion when it comes to Isha. I want you to listen very carefully to this. Sheikh Uthameen, he says that it only has two times. It has the permissible time to pray and the preferred time to pray. The permissible time to pray is as soon as the twilight disappears. That's when it starts. Twilight disappearing is the onset of night time. So that's the beginning time. That's like one and a half hours odd after Maghrib. When the ghuyub of a shafaq. Shafaq is the twilight. These are words which are new to you. We're going to cover them in Fiqh salah Okay? So once the twilight disappears in the night, that is when it is permissible now to pray. But what is the preferred time to pray, Isha? Before the middle of the night, okay? After a third of the night or half of the night has passed, as the Prophet said in the famous hadith, of course, when the companions were waiting and they fell asleep whilst waiting, and he came out to them and he said to them that if it was not because of causing hardship <coughs> upon my ummah, this is the time that I would make you pray all the time. It is the better prayer. So to delay the Isha prayer is a better prayer. But there are exceptions to that, of course. For example, if the Jama'ah, like in this masjid, we will pray way before a third of the night has gone. Way before. And the reason they do that is because the masjid has to take account for people who are working and X and Y and Z, and it's not the preferred time. However, one would still pray with the masjid at the earlier time. You'll get more reward because of the congregation, inshallah. Make sense? Okay? So that is basically uh, another scenario. Now, Sheikh here says... That the best time to pray the Isha prayer is after a third of the night until half the night. What's, what's half the night called? What's half the night called? Midnight. Okay? Wake up, guys. Wake, wake up. Okay? So, what time is midnight? Okay, good. You're only saying that because you've taken Fiqh Salah. That's why, okay? Otherwise, everyone's saying 12 o'clock, 12 o'clock, okay? So according to, of course, yani, you know, non-Muslims and in the West and whatever, 
12 o'clock is midnight. But according to uh, Sharia, according to the Islamic system, according to the Jewish system, and so on, midnight it has nothing to do with the time. Midnight is not midnight. Midnight is the half between the night. So the night tonight starts at 9.27. 9.22. Okay. Then I've been saying 9.27 all day. That's good. It's all right. Yeah. 9.22. Yes. Fajr starts at... 3.02. You're having a laugh. 3.02. What time is sunrise? 5, 4.50. 4.40. Huh? 4.50. One second. Sunrise is 4.51. Okay? 4.51. So what time is Fajr start? What do you say? Yeah, around half three, three fifteen, half three. That's what I'd put it at. I wouldn't go where anything else. What do you say? Three o'clock. One hour forty-five minutes. Oh, it's a bit more. Don't know about that, bro. <laughs> Not one hour fifty minutes, that bro. I'd, I'd go with, I'd go with Yani an hour twenty. In these times, definitely hour twenty, hour ten. Anyway, but Halayani Yani will say three twenty. Just when you're crossing at the night ends at sunrise. No, at Fajr. Why not at sunrise? Not at sunrise, because the night actually is defined by what? Twilight. So the night starts at the disappearance of twilight, and the night starts at the appearance of twilight. So the twilight starts to disappear straight after Maghrib, and the twilight starts to appear straight after Fajr, which is the onset of twilight. So... If we say 3.20 is Fajr start time, and we said 9.20 is thingamajig, what time is midnight? <laughs> if you get the answer wrong, you have to pay in at least 10 chocolate bars. If you get the answer right, you get a thumbs up. <laughs> so right, any money? Huh? It's a good deal. Come on, let's work this out. Okay, everyone work it out. Go. Alright? <laughs> this is a piece of cake. Yeah. <laughs> it's the most easiest thing. I can't believe that you had to... You got it wrong. You got it wrong. You got it wrong. What time is midnight? It's the easiest thing in the world. Go online. I bet, I bet, the, I bet my guys online will have got it right. 100%. Refresh that page. What time is midnight? Had you said they, they, uh, what, tell them what time midnight is. Don't say 12 o'clock. What time is midnight? That's only I know. <laughs> 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 That's the only one you know, man. Come on. Okay, go for it. So what is it? 12.20. It's 12.20. Did you say that? Oh, okay. Sorry. You're <laughs> getting a thumbs up, bro. You're going to slow down, man. So all the sisters got it all wrong. They were saying all kinds of things, saying 12 o'clock, this, that, whatever, blah, 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 blah. 
and yet this one here is a tall clock granny, which is the most pathetic answer ever. Okay. So it was a ten past twelve. I don't know where ten past twelve came from. They got it right online, didn't they? Huh? Online, yeah? You see that? You see that? That's the difference. They Google it. They didn't Google it. Google, you can't Google it. There's no figure to Google. It's only one person who answered. And that's all it takes, bro. 100%. I know, I know, I know online my students get right. That's some man cheated bestie. Anyway. So, so, so anyway, what is Shaq Uthameen's position? There's a very controversial, well, I still keep saying controversial, not controversial, but yeah, he said that after midnight there is no time for Isha. This is not the time for Isha. This is his famous position. Okay? Because he says that hadith which have been narrated from the Prophet, they have limited the time of Isha until midnight, which is 1220. Um now, obviously, I just—I mean, I—I I mean, we're not getting into this big debate now because it's a massive debate. But the other scholars said that no, the prayer for Isha lasts until the start time for Salatul Fajr, because the Prophet said hadith of the Lord Omar. Anyway, we'll come to that. We'll cover all these hadith in the right time, inshallah. But I just want you to know, Sheikh Uthman is always very famous for this opinion among students of knowledge. Okay, and he does go into a lot of detail to prove it, and he will bring some strong evidences. So again, my reminder to you and my reminder to myself, especially when it comes to short nights like what we are now, and we're praying, we're praying late all the time. I, I find myself praying all over the time. Try to make sure you pray before midnight. Whatever happens, just try. And that way you will have definitely achieved the safest position. Because even the scholars, by the way, that do allow you to pray until Fajr, technically, they're only allowing you to pray it technically. Even they say that you should pray before midnight. You understand what I'm saying? Then you've got an opinion where there is no prayer after midnight. And that's a serious position. You should never risk going against such a position. Therefore, pray your prayer early. Now, um, the best way, uh, another way of understanding the, the ramifications and the consequences of this mas'ala, of this scenario, and I always use this as an example. I was actually, uh, I was at Umtas last week in uh, Malaysia. And um, uh, obviously, I, I deal with the fiqh and uh, the, you know these kind of uh, salah kind of scenarios. So a lot of these questions come to myself. And so there was a couple of the instructors that were asking me about their prayers. Now, um, so we're in Malaysia, right? And Sheikh uh, Abdul Bari Yahya, he came from Seattle, which is the west coast of the states. And you had uh, Sheikh uh, Naved Aziz, who came from Calgary which is like, you know, north kind of Canada or mid-Canada, whatever. Anyway, and so the way that they came, they went the other way around. Okay? So they didn't go this way around, you know, back over the Atlantic. They went over the Pacific, right? You know, they go to Japan, basically, and Hong Kong, and they come through Taiwan and whatever, whatnot. Now, what happens there is crazy stuff. Because when you go that way, you basically lose a day. You actually lose an entire day and you arrive at a time where you've already prayed prayers for that 24-hour period, but the date has changed. So, for example, Naveed was saying to me that he prayed Dhuhr and Asr in, uh, uh, combined in Vancouver on the airport floor, which is what I always tell people to do. 
I'm not praying a plane. And, and that was on Tuesday. And he arrives at Asr time on Wednesday late afternoon. Do you understand? Tuesday. And he arrives now only after a, t- a few hours, it's not a massive flight, like 10, 12 hours flight kind of thing, but he loses an entire day because they go through the dateline or whatever. And so he arrives and he's now in Dhuhr Asr time of Wednesday. Do you understand? Now, what do you do? He's not prayed any prayers of Wednesday. So he should pray the prayers of Wednesday. However, he is within a 24-hour period wherein he has already prayed Dhuhr and Asr. You understand what I'm saying? Like the Prophet said that every every day has five prayers. Every day. That hadith means day and night. Therefore, the hadith clearly states that in 24 hours there's only five prayers. So if he now prays Dhuhr and Asr again, he's actually praying extra prayers within that 24 hours period. Even though you'd think that you should, because he's on a new day. Do you understand how 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 I don't want to go into this too much because I, 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 I don't want to blow your minds basically and I know you're going to be thinking about this anyway I said to him beforehand that actually he doesn't need to pray he doesn't need to pray at all and that the next prayer will be Maghrib and so on however I said that actually because it's at the Asr time now yeah uh, he should pray Asr again out of safety yeah and it's safety Okay, he should pray Asr out of safety because it's a new day. And I said to him, and if you want to follow my opinion, you should pray Dhuhr and Asr out of safety. He goes, what's your evidence? I said, my evidence is what we, what the fuqaha say when a woman is menstruating and she becomes pure. And that's exactly what Sheikh Al-Tameen is quoting right here now. Look what he says. He goes, the scenario, the scenario of what we're talking about, about um, a, uh, trying to understand this issue of prayer times uh, uh, after Isha. He goes, let's imagine a woman, she becomes pure at two o'clock in the morning. All right. What is two o'clock in the morning? According to Sheikh Uthameen. It's after Isha. Would you agree? After Isha, it's not a prayer time. So according to Sheikh Uthameen, what does this woman pray right now? What do you think? Nothing. Nothing. What's her next prayer going to be? Fajr. Touch it. <laughs> You're such a puck. <laughs> oh, my it's true, man. They're good at they're good at the hajjud, man. Custom, they're good. So, okay, that's Sheikh Uthaymin's position. All right. For for ala hadal qaul la yilsum salat al isha wal al maghrib wa ala wa ala qaul man qal innu yamtadu waktu durura ila tulu ila fajr. He goes as for and here is where he allows the rest of the students to understand that there's difference of opinion on the issue. He goes, as for those scholars that consider the time of Isha 
necessity time for Isha to reach until Fajr. Yes? Alright? What do you think they say? Isha. Because they're in the time for Isha. And there are some scholars that said, She must pray Isha one Maghrib. Isha and Salatul Maghrib. And this is a, uh, an issue which is going to come up later in detail. And it's been mentioned in Sahaf as well. You might say, why? And the reason is because, of course, time for Isha is time for Maghrib and Isha. And time for Asr is time for Dhuhr and Asr. Because this is a combined time. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? And so it is best that if a woman... So that, that's my personal position. I always believe... I don't obligate it. I don't want to obligate it. I believe that it is safer. It is better. It is more complete. That if a woman becomes pure from her menstruation in Asr time, she should pray Dhuhr and Asr. This actually was a famous difference between Abu Hanifa and the Shafi'i. Yeah, you know, like... Uh, 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 now, of course, in the Hanafi school, there will be no issue here because they don't com- consider combining anyway. And so for them, Dhuhr is gone. And so for them, Asr will just be prayed there and then. And there's some deeper issues to this. I don't want to go into that now. But I want you just to understand that there are a number of consequences to defining time and it, uh, it affects everything. Anyway, and he also said, for example, Shafiq Amin says, you know, back to this scenario here about delaying the prayer. Let's say that you've got tayammum. Sorry, let's say that you can't find the, the water. And uh, you're now thinking, I will possibly find it later. But the jama'ah is going to start now. Yes? What would you do? Would you say, I'm not going to pray with the jama'ah because there's no water. I'm going to wait. Or would you make tayammum to pray with the jama'ah? Sheikh Uthameen says, yes, you would make tayammum to pray with the jama'ah because the reward of the jama'ah is better than you delaying and waiting and possibly seeing something happen or not. Is that clear, everybody? And that's because he said that to join the jama'ah is an obligation, wallahu ta'ala. A'lam. That's good. And then next week, inshallah, we can probably finish off this chapter completely. Uh, should we finish it? Yeah, easily. Inshallah. Questions? Online? Go ahead, yeah. <clears throat> Aisha says, um, some people go to the masjid for tahajjud thinking that praying tahajjud in jama'ah is more rewarding. Is that, uh, is that an innovation? Correct. The sister asks, yani, some people go to the jama'ah masjid praying the tahajjud in jama'ah. Is that an innovation? Yes. This is bid'ah. No doubt about it. That the Prophet ﷺ did not pray tahajjud in jama'ah except in Ramadan. Except in Ramadan, okay? And even this uh, tarawih, there are mistakes that are made, and uh, this is a scholarly difference of opinion, whether there should be any prayer called tahajjud or not. You know, people do that. And I'm of the opinion that definitely there isn't. person, when he prays tarawih, then he should complete the tarawih with the imam, and there shouldn't be another jama'ah in the masjid later on. I don't believe in that at all, okay? The Prophet ﷺ never prayed two jama'at in a night. It was one jama'ah, started early, finished late. It would cover the entire night. What do we do? We pray an hour and a half, we go, mess about, eat some chicken, come back to the masjid, then pray another hour, an hour and a half with the nice imam, and then we pray with her. And it feels nice and it sounds nice, but it's not the sunnah. Not the sunnah. You should either go to the first jama'ah and finish with the imam, 
or you should not go to the first one and you should go to the second jama'ah and finish with the imam. But doing both, this is not the sunnah of the Prophet Not the sunnah. Prophet never ever prayed to jama'at in a night time. He never prayed tarawih and tahajjud in jama'ah. Yeah. Um, please can you clarify the prayer before midnight the scholars are talking about is the fard of Isha and not Witr? Huh? Please can you clarify the prayer before midnight the scholars are talking about is the fard of Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're, talk- we're only talking about the, 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 the uh, Isha prayer. Witr prayer, Sheikh, even Sheikh Uthameen allows that to be prayed off, up till Fajr. You were giving three reasons why Sheikh Uthameen, may Allah have mercy upon him, says it's better to pray on time. Yes. Number one, Prophet any man from my ummah, if the prayer comes upon him, then let him pray. Yes. There and then. And yes. To his knowledge about whether the circumstances would come to a pass is not certain. Yes. And the circumstances could... Uh, and can you give me the third one, please? I don't think there was a third one. Uh... No, there isn't a third one. That's it. That's it. Yeah, okay. So, you do tiyamu, you start praying. He does tiyamu. You do tiyamu, you start praying, and you get some water. So, he said you break that prayer. But, uh, I remember... Some scholars said that they would break the prayer, yeah. What's the class position? The class position, you stay in the prayer. The class position, let me make it clear, is the position of Sheikh Uthameen, you stay in the prayer, You, 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 you started that in a valid way, no evidence to break that. Continue in the prayer. Yeah? Yes. Anyone else? Yeah. You shouldn't make this a, a uh, you shouldn't make this a habit and I it's against the sunnah, but if someone comes a chanak as we say, just like that, then it's okay. That's okay. Yani we have a hadith where the Prophet was praying and Qiyamul uh, Layl and Abdullah ibn Abbas he arrived and he joined him and the Prophet did not cut him out the prayer he just pulled him around you know he st- stood on the left hand side so he took him by the ear and he pushed him to the right hand side evidence therefore shows that if it happens in a non-organized fashion then it is okay but in an organized way I'm not happy with this some scholars allowed it like Sheikh Abdullah Shudair, for example, he gave a fatwa to allow it. That's why we have these youth qiyams, for example. I'm not a supporter of youth qiyam, okay? Because this is an organized second jama'ah or organized jama'ah of tahajjud prayer. But some of the scholars, they said that there's a need for it. If we don't do it, then there will be a problem, etc., etc. It's something which is different, different over, but no doubt that the majority position is correct. Allah ta'ala alam.